Hey, this is Joshua Singh. I'm so excited that you took the time to be with me today. I'm going to speak into your future because I believe that you are listening because you believe you can live a life of influence inside of intimacy with Jesus. You've been on a journey and I appreciate the impact that you're making in the millennial generation because I'm a millennial and I feel like you have a very different approach. Uh, Joseph, you, you've um, been with Fuse Life, Fuse Fit, um, you have a family, you, you, you have a business, um, you have a ministry that's taken off. Tell me a bit about your story. Where do you want me to start? I mean, just just tell me like where, how you grew up and like, initially, and and then tell me about your journey, how you got saved. Okay, so I was born in Hyderabad in India. My parents used to go to an Anglican church, and um, would go every Sunday, Sunday school. I did all of that. I used to do vacation Bible school. Yeah. So that's where you send your kids on holidays for yep. ten days at a time. You know, uh, you just come home, sleep, go back in the morning, like school. And I had amazing times where I was in dramas and I would take part in plays and people would make me the pastor in all these plays, right? Or I was David, like, it was, it was interesting. But interesting. when I came here, I was 11 years old and I used to get dragged along to all these Telugu meetings. Do you know Telugu yep. is a language you speak in South India? And I used to get dragged to these meetings and it was always religious. And then there was this one older guy who would take me to his men's group. So I'm 11 and 12 yeah. and everyone's 30. Right. Late 20s, right. 40, 50, and I'm like, I would fall asleep in that meeting. Okay. He knew I'm falling asleep. They would talk about stuff that I'm like, you know, not interested. Yeah. But he would pick me up, bro. This guy would just be like, keep picking me up. So anyway, time went on. I stopped going to youth group. I stopped going to all the stuff because it was silly for me. I started going to uni, drinking, partying, having fun. That was my exploring phase. I had my first drink when I was 19. I, would, I wouldn't even have... Christmas cake because it had rum in it, you know? Wow, you're that religious. I was from there, yeah, and I, <laughs> religious, like I wouldn't, it had nothing to do with religion. It was okay. just my conviction. I was like, right. I'm not going to touch alcohol. And um, I don't know where it came from, but I started to drink and then it just went from two drinks to full on. We would like, you Smashed. know, yeah, they, I, I drank to get drunk. Right. You know, people say, like, handle your drink. I'm like, why would you drink and stay home? You go drink, then we party, we get drunk, have fun. Otherwise, don't drink. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I did it, you know. And so it got really bad. And then in 2008, I went to a job interview. And in that interview, I met this guy. And it was a group interview. And I looked at that guy and I was like, you're going to get the job and I'm going to get the job. And he smiled at me. And when we left, later on, he told me he felt the presence of God as he walked away from me. And um, so he invited me to this church and I went there, I saw this Pentecostal church, people getting touched by the power of God and I didn't believe in any of that. And I wanted to test it out. But because the, you never grew up in that, right? No, so I'd never yeah. seen it. I've never seen people get touched by Holy Spirit. Right, right. I mean, now looking back, I've seen people get touched and cry, but I've never seen people shaking, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like fall and supernatural stuff. Yeah. So I get up to test it. Right with the pastor and the guy who's with me freaked out. He was like, "No, no, no, we got to get out. We got to get out." And he was my ride, so he took me out. Like now I know what that was. Wow. But at that time, I'm like, "Oh, okay, he's got to go. Leave it then." 
so during that first visit and that time I got saved, I started drinking more, partying more, yep. more opportunities to hook up with chicks, all kinds of fun. Yep. It's like the demonic opened up supernaturally, you know, wow. to suck me in. And um, so one day I end up going drunk to this church. I don't know why I drove all the way drunk. And I'm sitting in the back seat and this girl starts singing in tongues. And she just starts singing from her heart to God. And I felt a heat go through my body and I totally sobered up. There was no one next to me. I freaked out because I knew I'm sober. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And then God starts to show me my whole childhood when I was David and I was a pastor and what happened in my house and wow. I'm weeping and he's like I was always there you know so after that happened I still said God if you are real <laughs> even though that happened I was like if you're real I'm giving you 30 days I'm going to come to everything for 30 days at the end of 30 days if I have any doubt I'm not walking into a church again and in those 30 days I'd come to the meetings I see people get touched by God I saw some lady get healed of cancer I saw a demon leave a person and it was it wrecked me fully but every night I would go to bed with my iPod at that time my little iPod and I had this Christian music and um, I would just be weeping on my pillow because I was feeling this love of total acceptance I didn't know what it was at that time like if you said what are you feeling I'd be like I don't know but it was complete acceptance like as you are and I just weep and weep that whole month, night, morning. I'm just weeping random times and a shift happening for me. And that began everything. Like Then things just went crazy from there. Wow. <laughs> and now you're married and you got kids, got a business. How many years after that? So 2008, that happened. And the church I went to, my pastor was like, lay hands on the sick, they will recover, cast out demons. And you know? you're new to the faith. Yeah, I'm like, what's he saying? So then I see it in the Bible, and I was knocking doors for a living. So when I'd knock doors and see someone sick, I'd lay hands on them, they get healed. <laughs> I cast out demons out of people's front yard. Like this one guy, he yeah. came out, and I had an amazing experience with this guy. He had rash, like eczema. Yeah. So I was like, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah. So I prayed for him, and then he started to puke out all the stuff, right? And what? he's like totally like getting drunk in the spirit. And um, these kind of experiences started to really mark my life. Like, man, God, you're with me, you know? So I'd start asking God, which door should I go? Which shouldn't I go to? Sometimes I'd feel him saying, don't go to this house or don't go that way. And a couple of times where I didn't go or where I did go, I didn't obey him. I nearly got bitten by a dog. Wow. So God, like my practice of walking with him began in my job, you know? And then some days I get five sales. Some day I get no sales. And then God would be like... (coughs) Am I the same? And at the beginning, he wasn't to me because when I got five sales, I'm like, yeah, on yeah, one yeah, side, I'm like, where are you? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and true. I had to learn how to be flatline because wow. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he started to in, in, input that into me, you know, inject that into me. So two years later, I ended up getting married. I got married to the girl that was praying that I would get saved. Yeah. She knew me at my worst, you know? Yeah. And um, it was really awesome. God set it all up. That's now nearly 10 years. Wow. You are a different type of Christian. It's a big statement. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I meet Christians all the time. And most of them are very similar in their approach. They're loving, great people, and I have nothing against them. Um, it's just the way they've, they've grown up and they believe what they believe in. That's great. But you, on the other hand, I feel have gone through a rigorous, vigorous um, process of just testing everything. You're pushing the boundaries. What makes you so disruptive? 
Sorry, man. Okay. Just put you in the spot. No, man. So even the term Christian, like right now, I'm I'm assessing that term. <laughs> I have some friends that have been in ministry for a long time. They're assessing that term. Like, what is a Christian? Was Jesus a Christian? He was not. He never told people to be Christians. Christian was a term given by pagan people looking at people. Okay. So anyway, let's put that aside. So... <laughs> So when I got saved and my pastor was not from New Zealand, like yeah. Yeah. there was a culture in this nation that's yeah. really relaxed, like the she'll be all right thing. Yeah. It's a true story. Yeah. Like it's really relaxed. And so my pastor came from America. He was like different breed. Yeah. And so our whole church caught that spirit. It was a different breed. Like we weren't settling for anything. Like right. It was like, well, God has so much for us. We're going to take it, you know? Right. And a good thing that I did in my early part of my journey was I didn't ask for advice from people because if I did, I would not have learned some of the things I learned, you know. I started to practice hearing from God, and I had this man, Isaac, who I love, who completely shaped my life at the at the beginning when I got saved. And I asked him, it started like this. I was like, how do I hear from God? And he was like, he gave me this simple exercise, you know, when you're about to drink a drink, tea or coffee, just ask the Lord and go with what you feel. You know, I'm like, it sounds so, so crazy. Simple. Yeah, but it, it, that's how it began. But there was this night where some of the guys from my church were going out and it totally made sense in the natural that I should go with them. But when I asked the Lord, God was like, no, don't go this time, you know? Wow. So I stayed in my bedroom and I was just worshiping the Lord to Joshua Mills. I don't know if you know Joshua yeah, Mills. Yeah, yeah. I was having this crazy encounter in, in the spirit and then suddenly I hear God say, go pray for your mum. So my mum's like really reserved and really just she used to be. So I, I get out, I go into the bedroom and my mum's doing some work. And um, I was like, I need to pray for you. And she's like, okay. Like totally like, you know. So I grab her hand. I start praying. And as I pray, I see this sheet. It looked like a sheet, okay. That's all I can say. A glass sheet just drop in the room. And my mom starts getting touched by by God powerfully. And she's like, I open my eyes because I'm hearing this noise. like, yeah. And she's having tongues come out of her, but she doesn't want it to come out because it makes no sense. Right. So she's trying to control it, but it's coming out. <laughs> and then I'm like, more Lord, more Lord. You know, and she's getting totally blasted by Holy Spirit. And then I released a joy over her, and then she starts rolling on the bed. And like my mom never used to get drunk or never got drunk in her whole life. And she's wow. like singing, Mary had a little lamp, totally drunk in the spirit. <laughs> this is my first time something happened through my hands. Like I'm wow. a month saved, you know, two wow. months saved. Wow. And my dad walks in. My dad's like, what did you do to your mom? Because he's freaking out because no one see my mom like that. Like yeah. she's laughing, rolling, singing songs. So these things started to build my my threshold of walk with me. Right. Not okay. try and figure me out through people. Wow. And that was never God's intention. You know, the minute a man or a woman tries to take this mediator space, there is only one mediator. The minute we take it, we shut off expressions. Once you shut off expressions, we're shooting ourselves in the foot wow. or in a different part of the body. Wow. You know? That's so good. So, what does it mean to you to follow Jesus? Because you talk about intimacy a lot. Yeah. Um, but what is it to follow Jesus? Because a lot of people come to church, they sit on a seat, they say, I follow Jesus. But their Monday looks the same as every other Monday they've had. Following Jesus must begin with denial of what you thought you knew. You know, like if I'm going to follow Jesus, who is the truth. Oh, my goodness. I have to acknowledge that I was following a lie. I cannot have a strong yes without a strong no. Wow. But to say no requires humility. 
And a lot of people don't want to admit that they were chasing the wrong... Like, I can happily tell you that I got all my value from sleeping with older women. I got all my value. Like, I wanted older girlfriends. Right? That yeah. was my whole life, most right, of it. Right, Because it made me feel special. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. all my value from people thinking I'm amazing. Right. You know, like, that's the... I, when I met the truth, I had to acknowledge the lie. Wow. So I can't keep the lie and walk in the truth. They're wow. both uh, enemies. And a lot of people, like that's, that's where I see people don't want to draw the line. Jesus said, deny yourself and follow me. The beginning is, is a full turnaround, repentance. Like you got to turn from, from where you were going before. So following Jesus has been reduced to a prayer, has been reduced to knowing some scriptures, has been mm. reduced to showing up on a Sunday, getting attendance, which has nothing to do with having a true relationship with the Trinity, you know? Nothing. There are people that go to services and do all kinds of stuff all week, right? Wow. And if you ask them, do you know God? They might not even know how to answer that. You know, and part of that is the culture we've shaped of come and be a spectator. What's stopping people from encountering God? Like, like let's just say, I'm a Christian, I've been saved for 10 years, um, but I really haven't encountered God the way you're saying, or the way other people who have met God say? Well, what's the obstacle? Well, you know, the Bible says that the traditions of man make the promises of God of no effect. Like, our <clears throat> doctrines and traditions, I believe, are the number one reason Christians, Christians don't encounter God. is because we've created all kinds of stuff that's not true. Like, I've prayed for people, and when I pray for a religious person, it's always a different dynamic to when I pray for someone who doesn't care. What do you mean? So... There was a, like, so I've prayed for people on the street, and there are so many people, like, who don't believe, and then you pray with them, and you see a miracle, or even if you don't see a miracle, the atmosphere is really open, the conversation is really open, okay. but when you meet a religious person who have their own views. Right. So, for example, I met one guy who was a famous warrior, he was a rugby league player, <coughs> and he didn't want prayer because his doctrine was, God doesn't heal today. And in that moment, he had just lost his whole season because he busted his knee. And I'm like, man, like you could get a miracle right now and your whole season could open again. But to him, it was like God doesn't do that anymore. Wow. That's finished with the apostles. And so he wanted to have this great debate with me. And I wouldn't know how to react because what about all the reality I've seen for all these years? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? But then at the same time, you have some people who will come to church and then they're like, well, my sin, it's, it disqualifies me from being healed. Or my, I don't read the Bible enough. Or my version of holiness. So the doctrines and traditions of man are always the biggest enemy that you'll ever face. Because wow. a neutral person doesn't care. If it's real, it's real. If it's not, it's not. Wow. So what is the obstacle? The thinking? Yeah, because we, we create all these kind of belief systems, yep. these patterns, and we block out. You know, like um, if you look at the Pharisees, they had the idea of what the Messiah should look like. They had the idea. They knew, they knew um, scripture or, you know, they knew uh, Torah or whatever you want to call it. They knew their word. They knew their ways. They knew practices. And they were, they were wanting a Messiah. But he came in a way that didn't match the logic, doctrine, the ways of thinking. And so there was an automatic rejection. Wow. And that's where even me sitting here now, if you did this interview with me two years from now, I'll probably have 
different things to say. There might be some things I will say to you, oh man, I used to believe that. I don't anymore, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I see a bigger picture now, you know? Right. Because when I first got saved, there were some things I started to believe that today I'm like, nah, God, God can't be like that. Who is God to you? <laughs> I know that's a pretty big question, but I want to ask you. I, and okay. For me, ultimately, it begins with Papa, with Father. I think it's intriguing that when Jesus is asked, how should we pray? He says, start with our Father. That is the first thing he is to me. Now, I don't know if wow. people are going to agree with that or not, but that saves me because a dad who is love is always there. Mm. Everything else that Jesus models, Jesus is, Jesus is perfect theology, right? Bill Johnson says that, yeah. and that's awesome. I agree with that because many times Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So Jesus is walking out a life of an an uh, obedient son who's just reflecting his dad. And so when I have this foundation of God as my father, then correction is also love. Direction is also love. Wow. Play is also love. Hangout is also love. You know, wow. holiness is also love. The whole package. Like I look at my relationship with my, my daughters and there are so many dimensions they can access all those dimensions through Papa. Wow. They can access the wow. businessman through Papa, business advice. They can access fitness advice. They can access wow. marriage advice. That's they can access good. everything through Papa. But most people only have the 1 or the 2D. But God is, there is no dimension. Wow. Everything is in Him, for Him, with Him. It's such a merging that we try and reduce Him with with statements like we try and make absolute statements that we absolutely have no idea about you know? it's like, <laughs> cool. yeah. tell me you mentioned about love what's love to you biblically and by your own personal experience so when this experience happened to me actually two years before that or a year and a half before that there was this ministry going on in our university campus and there were christians there you know and one of the guys would be like joseph come 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 you know and i went to one of the meetings just to appease him and they sang some songs and read some scripture and um this is why i think the presence of god is really important and they sang songs read some scripture and then when we were leaving i said to him Bro, can your God set me free from wanting to sleep around and get drunk? And he had no answer. Wow. He had no answer. Now, maybe he gave me uh, a religious answer. Yeah. But when I say he had no answer, what I'm saying is nothing spoke back to me. Wow. Because in that moment, my heart went, here is my concern. And there was nothing to speak to the depths of my heart. Right. See, when you hang out with God and you speak to people, you get to depths of their heart that they know no one else knows. Right. right, but they feel, and it's real. Religion can never go to that place. So when I got saved, it was purely because of love. Where God's like, I take you as you are, Joseph. These guys might not want you. This minister might never receive you. This person might never accept you. But I got you. Wow. If everyone lets you go, I got that love. Wow. Right, total acceptance, complete acceptance. Flipped everything for me because then I didn't need it from anyone else. Like I'm married now. It's gonna be ten years. I don't need my wife to love me. I love that she loves me. But I don't need her to love me. The minute I put the need on her to love wow. me, I've put something on a human that they can't deliver. <coughs> wow, that's good. You know, so that was a practice for me. Because when when I won't get sales, I'm like, am I still loved? 
when I when I get lots of sales, oh, I'm really loved. When good things happen, oh, I'm really loved. When bad things happen, oh, oh, am I still loved? And I had to learn that love never changes because God is love and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then He puts this description in First Corinthians 13 of how love only goes one way. And a lot of times people make love, the two mistakes I see is they think it's a two-way street and they think it's a feeling. So just to break that down, love is never a two-way street. Like my love for you should never be dependent on anything you are going to do back to me. Wow. Because that's not love anymore. That's a compromise. You know, that's an understanding, but that's not love. Yeah. Love is super powerful because it only goes one way. Yeah. And um, so that's a mistake I think sometimes we make. And the second thing with... um, Love is that people think it's a feeling, like especially with romantic relationships. Like I fell in love, and I love what Chris Valentin says, where he's like, you know, if you can fall into love, you will fall out of love. Yeah, that's right. Yeah? So love is not a feeling; it's, it's a, a choice. choice. It's a verb. It looks like something. Wow. If God was to profess, Joshua, I love you, and here is my son, but He won't come down and demonstrate it. Wow. That's not love. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. What's your idea? Or what's your definition of a religious person? That's really hard because I feel like we're all religious on some level. Wow. You know, every one of us is religious on some level. That's deep. Because the human nature, we are like that. We want to, we want to control things. Wow. Do you understand like religion, the basis is control. Like if I'm going to make a statue or make a building or, or I'm trying to control and depict God, like to some extent, it's like down generations. It's been passed on. I don't know, but we're all religious. To you know, some there extent. is, yeah, there's, there's this, this. We we want to <coughs> make it about a ritual, make it about some kind of control, make it about some kind of formula, make it about some kind of simple path to God. Like when wow. really the cross is complete opposite. You know, religion is like, come on, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to get God. When really, God's like, actually, you did nothing, but I'm sending my. Wow. I am the first to shake your hand. Wow. You know, religion is like, I'm doing all this, I put my hand, will you shake my hand? Wow. When really, the heart of the Father is, I sent my son, I shook first, and I never pulled back. He's never pulled back. He, he'll never pull back. He will never pull back. His hand is out there for every person. Now when I look back, I'm like, man, maybe when I was six, seven, eight, he was trying to shake my hand. I didn't want to shake his hand. When right. I was 12, 13, I was going to youth group right. just to be with girls, right. eat some food. I don't want to shake his hand. Yeah. But somehow at 22 and a half, I was like, no, I'm going to shake your hand, you know. How do you deal with your religiosity? Like today? Because you're in a process and you're saying everyone's religious. How do you deal with it? How do you identify it? I would liken that to you asking me, how do I get out of a cage? Right. And the way I get out of a cage is I make sure the door's open and then I walk out. Right. And religion is the same thing. Like, I don't address the cage. I don't fight the cage. I don't get mad at the cage. No, I walk out the door. Right. And the only way to get out of religion is to keep walking out your freedom. Walking out your freedom. You have to keep walking out your freedom. What do you mean by walking out your freedom? What's freedom? What's truth? What's freedom? (laughs) This is deep. Because a lot of people say I'm free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah, we're all free, but are they really free? How do you measure freedom? This is a good question. It's a really good question. And this is why relationship with God is so personal. It's supposed to be personal. I'm not supposed to go and confess what I did to another person. I, like, I mean, 
in a group of believers, you confess your sin. Like, let me just clarify yeah. that. What I mean is, I don't need a, a Catholic priest who right. I go and confess, so he can mediate for me. Right. It's so personal. <coughs> so when you say freedom, yeah, people can pretend like to be anything, and that is true. That is true. So on the first level, anyone can say anything. You won't know. You don't really know what's in my heart. Like I could sit here and sound amazing and then go home and be the dodgiest husband. Yeah, yeah. You will never, you know. But in time, obviously, truth will find me out. In time, fruit will show. Yeah. All right. In time, what's happening in the secret, what's whispered in the dark will be shouted in the light. Yeah. In time, all of that will happen. And so whether you know someone's free or not, like, I guess I don't even see it as my job to know whether you're really free or not. Because wow. if you're not free, that's your own bondage. And if you're wow. pretending to free when you be free when you're bound, wow. that's your bondage. Just like I don't need to go remind someone of their sin. The sin that you are in is the death you are experiencing. Wow. I don't need to come and remind you and try and cause more death. It's already killing you, whether you realize it or not. But when I come with life, yeah. It's a different story. It's like if you are stuck in the desert and you haven't drunk water in five days and you're dying, dehydrated, dreaming of drips of water and there's no water and I come by in my camel. You don't need me to spend an hour saying, you're dehydrated, now your brain's not functioning, now you... Do you? Yeah. All you want to know, do you have water, bro? Yeah. Do you have true, water? True. And if I give you water, yeah. it changes everything in that moment. Why do Christians make sin like such a big deal? Is it a big deal? And and I don't want to sound offensive because I do believe sin is missing the mark. Yeah. I do I do believe the wages of sin is death. All the scriptures I do believe in it. But do we overamplify sin as opposed to righteousness? I think we do, but we almost have to because of the system we created. <laughs> it all comes back to the system <laughs> because if we start amplifying righteousness then you have nothing to do with it. I don't care about your name or your title. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Titles don't matter anymore. Buildings don't matter anymore. Because if it's about righteousness that only came from God, then it's always about Jesus. Always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. But the sin thing has created heaps of issues because, you know, sin, missing the mark, people. Like, I love that Romans talks about Jesus ending sin. Not no He didn't pay for Joshua's sins. Yeah, he did that, but he ended sin. Wow. Sin. So, so what happens there? Wow. And and I don't claim to know all the answers for this stuff, but I know people don't talk about it enough. You know, if there is no condemnation in Jesus, Dude, right? why are people still struggling? I don't understand. Like how you are following Jesus, you're still struggling with sin. Because What's the because you're not aware of your righteousness. You still have to work. You're trying to work. I mean, I'm watching your own life, your transformation. The less you work, the more is happening. Uh, that's what I've seen. Yeah, it's the same thing with sin. It's like, oh, I'm going to try and not watch porn for 30 days, 60 days. I'm going to try and get on this program. Why don't you put a pin lock on my computer? <laughs> I'm not allowed computer after dark. Like we're yeah. trying to fix all the stuff. Yeah. Like as if the cross kind of did half, but we got to do the second half. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I'm yet to meet someone who cries out to God, right? Who wants a heart connection with Him and doesn't have it. I'm yet to meet someone like that. And then people say, well, how long must we cry out? Till you have it. That's the only way you know you wow. cried out. You know, so it's like, I tell people, man, you should test out what you're <coughs> saying you believe. Go test it out. Go now, test it out. Yeah, like I've said to people in our gathering, like, hey, if God's not real, stop coming here. Why are you playing the game? 
I wouldn't be here. You think I'm going to sit here and do an interview and profess a God and try and save his reputation? He doesn't need me to save his reputation. If he's not real for me, I'm not here. Wow. If he's not real for you, you shouldn't be here. Do you know what I mean? Like I say that to people. I'm like, if you, when you read that book, when you close your eyes, you have connection and you don't think he's there, he's not showing up for you. It's been a year and you're like, you know, why are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> That's challenging. It's, it's actually, I'm saving you because you might come for 50 years here and when you die, find out you never knew him. And I caused that. Wow. Can you imagine if, if I'm like the leader of some church, there's 400 people there and I preach in such a way that I'm like, oh, you all got him. You all got him. You all know him. You all got him. And half the people don't. Like if, if I don't talk about this, like, hey, you need to know him when you go out here. What, do you think when I meet Jesus, he's not going to ask me? Yeah, but what's the sign of you knowing him? They... I don't need... See, what you're saying is I got to produce a result for you. Right, right, okay. I don't need to produce a result. Yeah. But just the fact that I'm telling you there's water, now if you don't drink the water, that's on you. Yeah, yeah, true. But if I'm like, you're dehydrated, and I'm like, oh, you're in great condition. You're good. Just imagine drinking and your body will just adapt. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? No, I see it. No, I see what you're saying. The, 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 the issue is something has to happen in the heart. It has to. It is personal. Not in the mind, in the heart. It has to. It has to happen Too for many the intellectual Christians around For there. the person. Not many Christians that want to focus on God. Please transform my heart. I'm needy. I'm poor in spirit. I need, I need it. That's a, yes. It's a long conversation. It's a deep conversation now. I know. We, <laughs> I know we're going in different, different branches in our conversation. Yeah, think about this, okay? How many stories you hear of the guy that was gone, like the druggie, want to kill himself, encounters God, evangelist, leaves his house, ready to do it, <laughs> ready to die for how many of you? So many. So many. So many. Yeah. And so many people believe that that is how God does things. And this is the biggest deception wow. that happens. I will tell you why, okay? Because my story is kind of like that. Yeah. Like I was playing around, I'm drinking. You know, my wife was such a good good girl we me my friend and her we'd be like man we're good friends and she's wife material like whoever marries her bro you and i were gonna screen him out like that's you know she was like that when i got saved she was like what happened to you like i'm jesus 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 all the time like freaking out having encounters she's like this yeah. is too much yeah, yeah. so then i invite her to church we start talking holy spirit and then i had to let her go to see if she will ever know god like that right. and for a year period we weren't anything and I remember one day when I saw her getting touched by the Holy Spirit, rolling on the ground, laughing. And she had her own... I'm like, oh, she knows him now. Look, you can tell by the countenance. I've seen people that know God and walk away and you see the countenance shift. Wow. Bro, when he says you're the light of the world, that's not just some metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's saying that you're, I mean, he's going to make his face shine upon you. Yeah. We say the scripture, but we don't actually believe it. I know people, they have so much union with God. They just look beautiful. Even Ruth Graham, I'm going to use this example. You know, Billy Graham's wife. Yeah. I watched this documentary and then they, they talked about Ruth for a little while. And I'm like, man, she is beautiful. Like, yeah. she knows God. Wow. You know? Wow. And um, you'll see people like that. I see people in the supermarket and stuff. I'm like, oh, do you know Jesus? You know? They're like, yeah. I'm like, man, your face, like, you're shining right now. Wow. Wow. So that's one of the ways you can know, you know. What do you so. think is the, and this is going to be, okay. Go but let me tell you about that deception yeah, thing, yeah, okay. Please. Because I believed that for a while, yeah. right. Because I'm a youth pastor. Okay, so I became a youth pastor yeah. for four years. And there's these people that grew up in the church. 
but their parents are not necessarily ministers, but they grew up in the church. Right. And they're good. They didn't go drinking, partying like yep. Joseph. They didn't jump out of their window and yep. go partying. They didn't do that. They're good. And they don't encounter God. And they're like, I wish I was bad. Because at least if I was bad, I'd have a good testimony. There will be so many people, I tell yeah. you, in your own congregation yeah. that will feel like that yeah, yeah, if they weren't messy. Yeah. And so now this person's belief is God takes the bad and turns them good. And that is the point of Christianity. That's not necessarily it. But they, this is the deception, right? Because if you look at it, like let's let's look at it and I'll give you some numbers, okay? So we got zero, which is neutral. And you got your negative, then you got your positive. Yeah. The will of God is that you will rule and reign in life. That you will dominate, have dominion. That's the reason he created Come on. in the first place, right? So you'll, you'll be in the plus. So what happens is so many Christians just hang out at the neutral. Because we're like, oh, look, he was bad. Now he's neutral. Like Joseph was bad. And then he encountered God. Now wow. he came neutral. And they think that is the testimony, the comeback. But they don't realize the goal was the comeback. The goal was dominion. Wow. So no one's teaching dominion. We're only teaching, oh, you made a comeback. So what do we do? Oh, you have great testimony. Come. What's your testimony? Oh, I was dead. Now I'm alive. Oh, <laughs> neutral. Oh, rich. yeah. I was blind. Now I can see. And it's always neutral. Very rarely will you see coming and give a testimony. Oh, I just got, I just got given um, jurisdiction to my 10th state. Where it really is a dominion. Yeah. Like, oh, I've just got Taking put in charge. I've just got put in charge of. 35 companies overnight <laughs> where do you hear these dominion stories so, so we've made Christianity uh, oh it's so bad now it's not so bad right. instead of oh it's so bad now you're killing it okay I see it does that make sense I see the debt not enough people talk about the narrative about is from bad to good yeah the narrative bad is bad to dominion you were in debt now you're not yeah it's actually it's not that actually it's you were in debt now you're a king yeah yeah. you're a king wow but there's not many people modeling that wow. you know wow. you're a king yeah so most of Christianity is happy to be not in debt Wow. That's why you keep singing about sin, sin, sin. Talk about yeah. sin. Oh, I'm free from sin. Or oh, the blood from my sin. No, the blood didn't just do for your sin. It did a whole bunch of other things wow. for dominion. Come on, bro. Come and that's on. spirit, soul, body, heart, finances, purpose, everything. It's not one dimensional. Wow. Define the kingdom. That Up is so it's hard. A, it's a big... I mean... I know. But your personal revelation of the kingdom, God. I'm, I'm still like... Going into that, you yeah. know, it's but right now where we're at, it's like Miles Monroe will call it, like a, it's a country, yeah. you know, it's, it's like the, the kingdom of heaven is a country, yeah, and there is a king there who has dominion, yeah, and then he's extending his dominion here on the earth, yeah, and we are the kings that get to take dominion and extend it here. What do you think? And this this might be a tricky question. I want you to tell me the number one issue with society today. Depression, loneliness, what is to you, from your perspective, what do you think the number one issue is? Orphan thinking. My goodness. But there is no other answer. Elaborate. It's orphan thinking. Right, before, before we go there, the rule and reign in your heart. Like these terminologies, right? Do, yeah. do you get what I mean? The problem that happens with this, like the, <coughs> let God rule and reign in your heart. Yeah. He's not sitting there with a whip. No. He doesn't. What is, what is that? And so even this, this beauty of submission, yeah. all right? And this is the thing. I want to take a subject there just in case some people will be like, well, why didn't he say something? All right. Jesus never demands submission till he lays down. Wow. So rule and reign in your heart looks very different to what most people think. See, 
before Jesus is like, you, Joseph, submit to me. He's like, no, I'll go to the cross. I will lay my life down. Right. Now, Joseph might say no and never receive me, but I still laid my life down wow. for him and for Josh and for Smith and for everyone. Wow. And so this concept of ruling and reigning, why wouldn't I want him to rule and reign in my heart when he already did the ultimate thing for me? Wow. Even my submission wow. is only a response of his to his laying down. And then he says, husbands. <laughs> and this is the part people don't say, even leaders, like people want submission, but they never lay themselves down. Wow. Jesus didn't demand submission from anybody. He just laid his life down. In fact, wow. the rich young ruler comes. Jesus is like, well, here's something here, bro. And then the rich young ruler says, I'm going. He's like, okay. And then some people wanted to follow Jesus. He's like, no, don't come here. Go and do that. He never demanded submission. Wow. Right? He offered it, but he didn't demand it. Wow. That's the true key to leadership. But it requires laying your life down. How many leaders will say, Josh, do you want to learn? Come stay with me for three years. Come come to my house. <laughs> we, we have like green rooms, like separate, 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 separate. Like yeah. total opposite to... Yeah. You know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Or one part, it's like they were pressing against him. Yeah. You know, where the hem of the garment and the lady touched? Yeah, yeah. She wasn't the only one touching him. Yeah. So he never... Separated himself like we try. And yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. And so, I just wanted to touch on that. <laughs> so often, what were you saying? Let's get back to often thinking. Often thinking is is Joseph lived his whole life feeling like nobody cared, nobody had his back. He had to protect himself. He had to do his own thing, make his own name, make it happen. No one's coming to save him. So in every interaction, you go out to eat. Make sure I get fit. Someone else maybe will pay in every interaction. Like, what am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? Right? In marketing, they teach you WIIFM, what's in it for me? And that that is a reflection of the orphan heart. Wow. And so Jesus comes and goes, I'm not leaving you no longer as orphans, which means this is an age-old problem. Wow. <laughs> so we're not suffering with anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. We're not suffering. Maybe it's evolved into something slightly different. Nothing new. It's wow. orphan then often now and the cure is still the father the cure is still the cross the cure is still reconciliation to your original intended being that wow. god made you to be wow talk a bit about your book overflow why you wrote <laughs> and how you wrote that um yeah why people should buy it Ooh, i don't want to market it like that but, but i think, I think should buy it i think i think they should buy it too <laughs> that's why i wrote it like it'd be crazy if i wrote a book that i'm like don't, don't buy it don't read it like but actually what happened was in october last year probably end of september or october i was spending time with the lord and he was like i want you to write this book you know i'm like book what book and he was like overflow and he starts speaking to me about this book and so that's kind of how the book came out and it was about 50 days 55 days i wrote the book we published it people bought it i had a small launch team people loved the book and the whole idea of that book is that there is a holistic experience of the abundant life People have made the abundant life one-dimensional, two-dimensional, some woo-woo thing, but actually the abundant life is found in the person of Jesus. Yeah. And the abundant life is something you can receive in an instant. All right. So one of the mistakes I think we make in, in our circles is that we want external things to validate our internal reality, when really your internal creates the external. Wow. Right. Wow. Everything we're doing right now, there's a camera, there's mics, there's seats here. This was actually in someone first and then it came out. It wasn't out and then it came in. Wow. But for some reason, Christians will say, <coughs> my abundance must show outside. Then I'll believe it on the inside. Yeah. And that's why we'll never see it because okay. we weren't created to be like that. Wow. 
your external was always created to be a manifestation of your internal reality. Wow. So I wrote that book. I called it No BS Guide, the No Bologna Sandwich Guide <laughs> to the Abundant yeah, Life. <laughs> I wrote that yeah. so that people will see how simple it is to receive it. And in that, I wrote my own journey, my own thoughts, times that God really convicted me of wrong belief systems. Yeah. And I put stories in there that people can relate to. It's really simple. And you have a guide in that as well, right? Yeah. At the end of each uh, each chapter, I've kind of got this active thing this interaction thing with the Lord I think for me reading that book bro I think it was one of the most practical books on abundant life and I think everyone should read it everyone should buy a copy definitely will impact your life for the better well wow. yeah I wrote that book purely out of obedience and I remember one day I was stuck I couldn't write anymore because I knew two people who were going to read my book and they're really intellectual and I'm not intellectual and I don't care about being intellectual. <laughs> it's not my thing, you know? Yeah. And I was judging my content so bad I couldn't write that whole day. Wow. And the next morning I'm like, God, what happened, you know? And then I started to see that I was judging myself. When you judge something, you just removed all the love from it. When you don't <laughs> have love from it, there is no free flow. My goodness. And so I stopped judging my content. I'm like, this is where I am. This is my revelation. <coughs> if someone's going to judge it, that's their problem. Yeah. But this is where I'm at and I'm okay with that. Boom, put it out that's the expression of joseph in 2019 wow if i write overflow next year if i write overflow now it's already different wow. if i write it next year it's already different you know because you're changing yeah it's always like that if there was one thing you have to say before you die i say this every day right i say this every day i'm like you were created with a purpose for a purpose on purpose that's that's the one thing i'll tell you were created say that again. with purpose completely in your DNA. Wow. Do you understand? Like everything about you is screaming purpose. That's why people feel lost. Like what is getting saved? I just came back to what I was created to be in relationship with the creator. Wow. Purpose, purpose. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You gotta engage that. That's just the only message and I have. If you don't, you will never be fulfilled. You can't be fulfilled. I know some people, and like my neighbor's one of them, she's 80 years old. But I'm like, I don't know if the last 40 years of her life mattered in some ways, you know? Like, what I'm saying to you is there's some people, they live longer, but they've never lived. Wow. And then there are some who die at 20, like the girl who got shot, the Columbine shooting. Wow. 2,000 people got saved from her testimony, but at 20, she did, she did it. And you know, this girl's story is so amazing, because when her father was cleaning out a room he found these journals and in, in in one of the books he saw she knew that was going to happen that day in school do you know the story where she got shot no this, this columbine shooting it's a long time ago she got shot before she got shot by this guy he said are you still going to say you're christian wow. and she's like yes and then boom he shot her and two thousand people got saved just very close to that after they saw her testimony you know wow that day in the morning in class she's drawing while the teacher's speaking look man i feel holy ghost man wow and she she draws this picture of um i forget what it is on top but there's drops like rain falling on this rose and there's 13 drops and she draws them in red in blood and 13 people died that day wow she was crazy prophetic but she lived her life See, our concept of life is messed up. Like, I'm 34. I've lived a year more than Jesus. Wow. Just think about that for a second. Wow. A year more than Jesus. In obedience, in three years, he shook the world. Like, it's still shaking I now. I want to shake the world. It's still shaking. But, but here's the thing. For 30 years, Jesus was happy just to... What? What was he doing? 
He wasn't running around, look at me, look at me, look at me. Angel came prophesied my birth. He didn't care about none of that. 30 years. Well, you can't handle that 30 years. Wow. We, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're saying it all in perspective.